0: I want to talk to you today about when God gives a dream, when God gives a vision. Before we talk about what to expect when God gives a dream and when God gives his vision for life, I want you to ask yourself this question. Do you have a vision for life from God? Do you have a dream for life from God? What are they? Did you tuck them away or forgot about them or do they live in your journals and you're constantly looking and working toward them? Because God has a dream for you. Because God has a vision for you. I believe that with all my heart. This is why we quote the scriptures that we do on a regular basis here on Sunday. Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know God says to his people, the plan that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Do you think about that? Do you think about the plans that God has for you? His plans are not to harm you nor to destroy you, but rather to give you a hope and a future. Do you allow yourself to soak that up and to think and meditate on what that means? Scripture says, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. For we are God's handiwork. A Translation of that word, handiwork, can even be masterpiece. You, Sean, you are God's masterpiece. You're God's masterpiece. You are God's masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. I want you to think about that. God prepared work, things for us to do ahead of time. Have you ever thought about that? Have you ever prayed it? Lord, what is it that you prepared for me to do? What is it that you have for me? I want you to think about that. Have you ever dared to ask, God, what is your dream for my life? Another scripture, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20 and 21 says this. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. I want you to know this. I believe with all my heart that scripture cannot exaggerate. If Scripture exaggerates, then I have a problem because I can't trust part of Scripture because it's an exaggeration. But here's what the Bible says about God. He is able to do immeasurably more than I can ask or imagine. That means that the God who is eternal, who cannot be bound by time, who is immeasurable in all his ways, also has dreams, plans, and can do things in our lives that are without limits, without measures, that are eternal. Think about that. And he can do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. Are you thinking about the dream that God has for you? Are you imagining? Are you asking? Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generation, forever and ever. Amen. Listen, to him be glory. To him to him be glory in the church. Now, what does it look like when God gets the glory in the church? I want you to just think about that. I want you to think about that. What he's able to do immeasurably in you through his power, that's some power. I want you to think about the power of God at work in you to fulfill his vision for your life. That's good stuff. That's just good stuff the church, and in Christ through, through all generations forever and ever to him be glory. Amen. So are you thinking about God's dreams? Are you think about God's vision for your life? Are you thinking what all that means for you? Maybe you're saying, you know what, when I think about God's dream for me or when I think about the vision for life that God has for me, I see myself uh, being debt-free and living a life of contentment and obedience with my finances before the Lord. Praise God. Maybe you say, I see myself having a strong marriage and a strong family that honors God. I see myself, uh, I see my family being a family that's free from generational curses and now walking on a new path of victory, of glory, and, in, and of God inheritances. Amen. It's a God dream. Maybe some of you would say I, I say, I see myself being totally free from addiction and living a life that testifies to everyone that God sets the captive free. Some of you may say, I see myself living a life so in tune with God that it changes me and everyone around me for the good, at my workplace, at my school. Some, someone may say, I want to be an athlete that gives God the glory, that lives in integrity, and I want to I be an example of, of the glory of God in what I do. What is your God dream? Some of you may say, I want to be a part of a ministry that's changing my community from the inside out. What is it that you're excited about that God's birthed in you, that God's placed in you, that burdens you, that excites you, that when you think about it, you say, this is what I desire. This is what I believe God wants to do through me. Are you allowing yourself to think that way? You know, when people say, are you living the dream here in America? They're probably talking about having a lot of money and wasting and spending it for things that don't matter and just ruining their lives. And that's not really a dream. That's just living in bondage. Are you with me? But when we awaken to Christ and to his love for our lives, what he does is he gives us a hope and a future. He begins to awaken dreams and visions for life. Is there a fight in you for the things that God's put in your heart? Are you allowing the Holy Spirit to stir that up? And are you thinking about those things or are you just going going through the motions? Man, I have a dream. And I'm going to share it with you whether you want to hear it or not. I have a dream of of having the kind of marriage that people talk about. I have a dream of of growing more in love with that beautiful woman that God's given me. I want to love her and I want to love her well. And I and I I want the end of my days to be a, a testimony that as I've grown old, I've grown more in love with her, and I loved her well just as God has loved me. And I know that's not coming overnight. So I gotta work. I gotta fight. I got a dream for my children. I don't want my daughters to grow up in church and be the pastor's kids everybody talks about. You know what I'm saying? I want them to love God with all their hearts. I want them to be so sold out that whenever a joker tried to come by them, they would know. So you got to get real with God if you're going to get close to Mia. Because she will backslap you in the name of Jesus. Yes. (laughs) I caught the spirit saying that. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? I have a dream that they love God, that they sell out for God, and that they would have a fire for God greater than mine. I have a dream for this church. This church will be a multicultural church with people that come from all different walks of life, who love God, experience the power of the Holy Spirit in their workplace, and experience the miracles of God not only here, but outside in their homes and in their workplaces and in their community. That's what we desire and I think about God dreams and I think about this vision because I want to work towards them. I don't want to just go through the motions. But I want to tell you something. When God gives us dreams for lives, when God gives us vision, there are things that we need to expect. And I want to talk to you about the things that you should expect as you continue on your journey following after God and following after the dream that God's given you, following after the vision for life that God's given you the scripture reads this way. In Genesis chapter 41, 37 on down. I'm going to read there. This is after Joseph has declared the dreams uh, to the uh, to Pharaoh. Scripture reads this way. The plan seemed good to Pharaoh and to all his officials. So Pharaoh asked them, "Can we find anyone like this man, one in whom the, is the spirit of God?" Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, "Since God has made all this known to you, There is no one so discerning and wise as you. You shall be in charge of my palace, and all my people are to submit to your orders. Only with respect to the throne will will I be greater than you. So Pharaoh said to Joseph, I hereby put you in charge of the whole land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh took his signet ring from his finger and put it on Joseph's finger. He dressed him in robes of fine linen and put a gold chain around his neck he had him ride in a chariot as his second in command, and people shouted before him, Make way. Thus he put him in charge of the whole land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, I am Pharaoh, but without your word, no one will lift hand or foot in all Egypt. Pharaoh gave Joseph the name that name and gave him Asenath, daughter of Potiphar, priest of On, to be his wife. And Joseph went throughout the land of Egypt. Joseph was 30 years old when he entered the service of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And Joseph went out from Pharaoh's presence and traveled throughout Egypt. During the seven years of abundance, the land produced plentiful. Joseph, uh, Joseph collected all the food produced in those seven years of abundance in Egypt and stored it in the cities. In each city, he put the food grown in the fields surrounding it. Joseph stored up huge quantities of grain like the sand of the sea. It was so much that he stopped keeping record because it was beyond measure. Before the years of famine came, two sons were born to Joseph by Asenath, daughter of Petiphora, priest of On. Joseph named this firstborn Manasseh and said, It is because God has made me forget all my trouble and all of my father's household. And second, the second son he named Ephraim said, It is because God has made me fruitful in the land of my suffering. Thank you for your word. Lord, I need to receive it. I need to hear it and receive it. Encourage me. Build me. Put fight back in me. Put fight back in us. Awaken the God dreams and the visions for life that you've given us. And, Lord God, thank you for giving us manises and Ephraims. Lord, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So here we have before us the story of Joseph. Joseph, the second youngest of 12 brothers. Joseph, the one that is favorite by his, the favorite of his father. And it creates conflict. Just like if there's a favorite in any household, there's going to be some given conflict. The conflict was so big that it created hatred between his brothers and himself. Now Joseph received dreams from God. Dreams that declare that Joseph will one day have greater authority than his own household. This created tension, you know. Tension between him and his brothers and his father even disagreed with this dream, didn't know what to do with this dream. But this bothered his brothers so much so that they made up their minds that they would kill Joseph at one point in Scripture. And you'll read that throughout this week. So his brothers wanted to kill him, but but instead they were convinced by Reuben, one of the brothers, to throw him into a cistern. Genesis 36:18 on down says but they saw him in the distance and before he reached them they plotted to kill him here comes that dreamer they said to each other come now let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns and say that a ferocious animal devoured him then we'll see what comes of his dreams Reuben convinces them, no, do not do that. Let's just throw them in the cisterns. Reuben's plan is that they, he would rescue, them, rescue him from the cistern at one point. But while Reuben is gone doing God knows what, the brothers sell Joseph into slavery. Joseph is sold into slavery, and his problems only begin there. Sold into slavery, he finds favor with Potiphar, his owner, in that house, He's given favor there because God is still with him. But while he finds God's favor, uh, you see the story that Potiphar's wife has has it in for, for Joseph, wants to seduce Joseph, and Joseph finds himself into trouble again because he refuses to give in to her temptations. He is put in prison, and I want you to notice he's put in prison without a definite time. He's just put in prison. I want you to notice Joseph doesn't know the end from the beginning. He's just going through life, and things are happening that are outside of his control. There he is in prison, and there are two guys that are in prison with him, one who who was the baker of the king and one who was the cupbearer of the king, and they have dreams. And while Joseph is in prison, they have dreams. They go to Joseph with their dreams, and Joseph interprets the dreams. To the cupbearer, he says, your dream means that you're going to serve the king again. And to the baker, he says, not so you, Jack. (laughs) Right? Uh, uh, In three days, your life will be taken from you. And he says to the cupbearer, remember me. Remember me when you serve the king. But the cupbearer forgets about him for two years. Two years in prison. Forgotten. Nonetheless, in God's appointed time, Joseph is remembered by the cupbearer when Pharaoh has this dream. Pharaoh tells this dream to, to Joseph. Joseph interprets the dream. Then all of a sudden we see Joseph given this authority, and he not only saves Egypt, but he saves Israel, the people of God. Right? And he is a huge instrument in saving the known world at that time. Wow. Incredible. So let me talk to you about what to expect, what we see in Joseph's story, that you and I need to expect. If we're going to hold on to that God vision, God dream that God's given us for life, certain things that we need to expect. If you're going to hold on to having a marriage that honors God, you're going to hold on to raising children that honor God. You're going to hold on to honoring God with, with your life, with your finances, with your relationships, with your singlehood, with whatever it may be. There are certain things that you need to expect. Number one. Expect opposition. Expect opposition. Expect a fight. Do not think that God's given you a dream or a vision that will come easy. God's given it to you. But I want you to know something. You're going to have to wrestle for it. Are you with me? God gives you a vision for life. you got to... Be about fighting for that until you get there. Joseph faced real opposition. Just like he had opposition. You and I are going to face real opposition. We, we have an enemy. His name is the devil. And he's not just going to sit back and let us dream and be excited about God's plan for our lives. He's not going to say, well, how, look at Joel and Rachel. They're just so blessed. Look at how they're following after God. I'm just going to back away. It's not what the enemy does. He looks for an opportune time to take the dream God's given us. Are we going to give in or are we going to fight? Where's your fight, church? Where's your fight? Where's your fight? God said to Joseph, go take the land that I've promised you. When he goes and he conquers the land, there's a group of people, a group of tribes who haven't taken their land yet. And Joseph says, why haven't you taken the land that God's given you? And the reason why is because they didn't want to fight for the promise of God. But if we're going to walk in the promises of God, we got to fight for them. We got to take them up. We got to keep them in mind until we receive their fulfillment. Are you with, anybody 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 with me? We got to fight. I think that sometimes the church is just going through the motions, and we're so sedated we don't have any fight in us. We just want things to be done for us. But you got to fight church that walks in the promises and the dreams and in the vision that God's given us, people who fight in prayer, people who persevere in prayer, people who fight for purity. Amen. People who fight, who persevere for holiness. We gotta fight. When God gives dreams and God gives visions, when we follow after it, there's something that we need to expect. We need to expect that we're going to have some opposition. If there isn't any opposition, then you've got to question whether you're following after God's dream and vision for your life. There will be opposition that comes from the enemy, and there will be people who will not have the heart and mind of God for you and your family. There will be an opposition that comes from the enemy, the devil, and there will be people who will not have God's heart and mind for you. You're going to have to be aggressive about the things of God for your life. Are you with me? Secondly, after, as you follow after God's vision for your life or the God dreams that he's given you, I want you to understand this. Not only should we expect opposition, but we should expect that there will be setbacks that will be completely outside of our control. Man, there's just things that happen that we cannot control. Things that at times they even have absolute no explanation. Why in the world do you want this to happen right now, God? And how does this fit in in your plan? Because it makes no sense to me. And I want you to hear me. Things that will hurt. We will suffer loss. We will grieve. Things that will last longer than we want them to. Anybody ever been there? It's just the way that it is. You and I, if we're going to follow after God's vision, God's dreams for our lives, we need to expect We need to know that there will be setbacks, things that will be outside of our control. Joseph was sold into slavery. He was lied on by Potiphar's wife. And there he was serving the consequences of somebody else's actions. Sometimes things happen in life. They just happen. And they happen to all of us. But there's something that you and I know that the world doesn't know. And that's this, God works all things for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. That means this, that when we keep our eyes on loving Jesus, fixed on him, and we walk this narrow path, no matter what's going on, if we just keep our eyes fixed on him, no matter what hell on earth we will encounter, listen to me, you will encounter hell on earth. No matter what hell on earth we encounter, our God is in control. And whatever the devil meant for bad, even God in his presence will get the glory out of our lives. Everybody excited about that, amen? Amen. So we trust him. Even when all hell breaks loose, we trust him because we trust that he can keep us from the plans of the enemy we trust that he can keep us when things are outside of our control and that is faith that is faith trusting god when there's nothing i can do to change the circumstance to say god you're in control do you believe that today joseph was again sold into slavery Lied on and suffering consequences, things outside of his control. But I want you to notice what was in his control, his ability to serve. There he was in Potiphar's house, sold into slavery. Apparently, he served well because Potiphar gave him favor. He was favored because God's favor was with him even when circumstances were outside of his control. I want you to know when things don't work out for you, God's favor is still with you. Just believe and hold on. we got to learn to hold on to the presence of God in the midst of everything that we're going through and see how he's at work in our lives. Third thing I want to share with you. Number one, let's go back. Expect that there will be some opposition when you try to live the dream that God's given you, the vision that God's given you for life. Expect that there will be some setbacks in life. And third, expect to be looked over and forgotten. Expect it. Expect some people to just look over you, forget you, value you not. Expect people not to affirm you and your call. It's just going to happen. Just expect it. It's going to happen. Here is is Joseph who reveals an incredible dream to the cupbearer. It is fulfilled immediately. You think the first thing on that man's agenda is to tell Pharaoh about Joseph. Well, apparently not. Joseph is forgotten. And he's forgotten for a long time, indefinite time in his mind, because he didn't know that in two years things were going to turn around. Are you with me? He didn't have the privilege of knowing the end from the beginning. He didn't have that privilege. But there he was forgotten. And as we follow after God, after we follow after the things that he's put in our hearts, there are people who will not affirm us. There will will be people that will not believe in us. There will be people who will forget us and overlook us. And when that happens, because it will happen, when that happens, take those moments where you're being overlooked or you're forgotten as an invitation from God to go into the secret place. Whenever I feel like I'm not being affirmed by someone who should be affirming me, I always revert to this. God, there must be something that I need to get from you that I'm trying to get from somebody else. So I'm taking this time of someone overlooking me as a time as you saying, my son, I need you. Let me affirm you. So instead of me looking to someone to give me something they can never give me, I'm going to the father to affirm me. Because he's a good, good father and I'm loved by him. Anybody with me? The second thing when I'm being overlooked, I remember this. It's not the time. It's not the time. Apparently, it wasn't time for Joseph to receive the revelation, or for Joseph to be brought to Pharaoh, and that's why God allowed the cupbearer to forget him. But when it was time, God brought Joseph out of that place. So when you're overlooked, when the people who should be affirming you you feel are not affirming you, go to the Father. It's the only affirmation you need. And the last thing I'll share with you is: you're following after God dreams and God visions following this path where you want to honor God and you want the presence of God to be alive and well in your life that way, there's something else you should expect. You should expect Manasseh's and Ephraim's. Joseph, his life was, for a season, just a, a, a a torrentious, a terrible storm, a disaster outside of his control. But at the end of the trial, The moment where he's exalted, notice what he says. He gets, he gives, uh, given by God two children. And he is so blessed by God that he says, I'm going to name my first one Manasseh. Because I have forgotten the pain of the trouble of my household. You know when you've been wounded deep in your heart? Oh, you're not human if you haven't been wounded yet. Ever been at a place where something wounds you so deep it takes you a while to get over? Listen to what Listen to what Joseph says. God has been so good to me that at that place where I've been so deeply wounded, I've forgotten. I don't carry, in other words, I don't carry the weight of the pain of that wound anymore. I'm healed. I'm healed. And I want you to listen. And then the second son, this is what he called the second son, Ephraim, Carla. Ephraim. As Joseph said, you know why? Because in the land where I suffered most and I had the greatest affliction, that's what God's made me most fruitful. Look at me now. That, look at the fruit of my life. When you follow after God's dream, and there's going to be hurt. There's going to be suffering. There's going to be pain. There's going to be things that you cannot control, things that are going to be completely outside of your hands. But if you trust him and you keep following after him, God's going to give you manna, son, Ephraim. You're going to look back and you're going to say, man, that sure hurt. Oh, but it was sure worth it. And look. The place where I hurt the most is the place where I'm most fruitful for God right now. Praise God. Would you stand with me today? Hallelujah. I had a thought of... I was reading this scripture many years ago and God gave me the revelation of Manasseh and Ephraim and what that means for people who follow hard after him and hold on to the dream that he gives them. I thought to myself, man, how many of us give up before we get Manasseh and Ephraim? And our lives are stuck in a cave of unfulfilled dreams. Our lives are stuck in a caves of visions that have fallen apart. And buildings that have been half." Halfway built because we didn't count the costs. How many of us are given up before we receive our manassehs and our Ephraims? Today I want you to hear something. Our God is a God of restoration. So if you find yourself in that cave, you can pick that dream back up right now. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your life in us. I thank you for your dreams in us, your vision for our lives. Some of us have not even given ourselves permission to dream big. We haven't given ourselves permission to think about your vision for our lives. Today, would you stir us up? To stir up your dream for our lives. Stir up vision in Jesus' name. Some of us have given up. We've given up before we received the promise. And Lord, today we're convicted and we're saying, you know what? No more. We're going to get back up because it's going to be worth it. It's going to be worth it. I can't wait to get to the place where I can say the place where I hurt the most is where I'm most fruitful for the Lord. I can't wait. Lord, I thank you for awakening dreams. I thank you, God, for giving us vision for life. I thank you in Jesus' name. The altar workers can join me right now at the altar right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Those who pray, uh, come up and join me here at the altar. I'm going to make two altar calls. This is a very serious moment. Maybe you're here today and you're saying, you know what, Pastor, I want God to give me vision for life. I want to dream big. I realize that I'm going through the motions, but I'm saying, God, reveal to me what you have for me to do. That's a big prayer. But you know what? I believe that God wants to... I I believe that God wants to show up and show off in your life. I believe that God has plans for you. Things that he'll reveal now, things that he he won't disclose right away. But I believe that he wants to begin to stir up things in you. But you got to be willing. You can't receive something you're not asking for. Nothing can be revealed to you that you don't desire to see. So if you're here today and you're saying, God, reveal To me, what you desire for me to do with my life. Give me a a God dream. Give me a God vision. If that's you, would you you come up to the altar? We'd love to pray with you. We want to pray that God will stir up the gift in you. That God will begin to stir up in you that that God dreams. We want to pray that today. Would you come up to the altar? Amen. 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 That God will stir it up. Dream for your marriage. Dream for your children. Dream for your workplace. The last thing is this. Maybe you're here today and you're saying, Pastor, somewhere along the journey of following after God's vision and God's dream for my life, I got real wounded. And I'm in a cave. I'm in a cave. I'm somewhere between the pain and receiving Manasseh and Ephraim. I just kind of gave up. But I realized today I don't want to give up anymore. I want to pick up the God dream that he's given me. I want to pick up the vision he's given me for life. If that's you, would you come up to the altar right now? Right now. I call you out of the cave in Jesus' name. I call call you out of unfulfilled dreams in Jesus' name. I call you out of that hopeless Christian ghettos in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. That's you today. To come up to the altar. To come up to the altar. Hallelujah. We're gonna be praying here at the altar, all right? For all of these people who are here seeking God, I believe God's gonna speak to them. Let me just bless you. God bless you. God make his face shine on you and show you his favor and his peace. Dream big. Dream big. Because once you think that you've gotten to the point where that's too much. God's got more in store. God's got more in store. God bless you. Dream big. Dream big. Say yes to the glory of God in you by his power. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We're going to be praying here at the altar.